You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 146. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And uh, we have a couple of pieces of follow-up here. <laughs> I think this is just more... Um, uh, I'm going to just chalk this straight up to like American ignorance. <laughs> uh, the the Terrascu cachet is not some crazy random number they were asking for on Kickstarter. It was, in fact, a perfectly round U.S. dollar amount but they put it in the local Singaporean currency, which was like a weird amount, but it translates, in fact, to 4,000 even dollars. Yeah, Um, mystery solved. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is like, I feel doubly bad about this because not only did I think like, oh, that's a weird number. Maybe they're crazy for picking that weird number, but actually they were trying to be considerate (laughs) and put it into a round dollar amount. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I just I just feel doubly ignorant. This is terrible. Doubloon ignorant. Yes, they uh, they're they're obviously to blame. But what I want to know, I'm, I need to pop open this Kickstarter really fast. Is how are they doing? Oh man, they're almost to twice their funding goal. <laughs> the terrace cachet will exist in the world. <laughs> their makeup mirror <laughs> that <laughs> stores coins. I'm like, they have 11 days to go. They could hit all kinds of stretch goals about materials they're going to make <laughs> it out of. port it to Wii U. <laughs> they could put a second hinge so you could open it up or down. They they could just do all kinds of amazing... They have no bigger, stretch bi- goals. <laughs> a bigger battery. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, they're willing to make it out of other materials, and that is it. <laughs> <laughs> Those seem pretty approachable. And done. <laughs> yeah, but don't you feel like they might actually hit those stretch goals instead of your your very spot-on joke about like, oh, we're going to port it to every system, <laughs> including the virtual boy. <laughs> yeah, more achievable. Uh, and then the, the other bit of follow-up is uh, Justin uh, followed up on Twitter with a few more things that people could do to kind of easily secure themselves uh, again, just like last week, our list was not exhaustive. This is not exhaustive. But these are a few more like kind of common sense things. Uh, use a password manager that's like known. <laughs> I didn't even think about stating this uh, kind of this acutely, but yeah, don't just download like you know Jim's secure storage like that. Use find out what your friends who are tech geeks are using, and then just use that. Like don't don't be clever. Yeah. Don't try don't try and reinvent that wheel. Just Use, you know, go to your friend and if they're using one password or last pass, like just use that or think of us as your friends and that's what we use. So just use that. Yeah. Uh, don't give out information from that you weren't looking to give out, which I, I think I'd shared, you know, like somebody calls you and they ask you a bunch of personal information and you're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to tell you that. Um, but Justin actually extended it to if you're using your computer and a piece of software, especially if you're online and a piece of software just pops up and it's like, hey, type in your username and password and let me update. Maybe just don't do that. Just say cancel yeah. and then open that software and see if it actually needs to update. So I was like, that's I never thought of it quite that way because I haven't had malware on my computer since I was like a kid. <laughs> um <laughs> But I think that that's a perfectly reasonable extension of that. If Flash is like, hey, you should update Flash. First off, that's annoying. So just uninstall Flash. But secondly, uh, yeah, just if you need to update Flash, just go and update Flash. Don't don't let Flash tell you when to update Flash. Well, you have to be vigilant about this because we're very, as humans, we like to reciprocate and answer. And like this is like 99% of like when people get you know, victimized by some kind of cyber crime. It's because they gave the keys over willingly. Um, it's very rarely that a vulnerability was exploited or anything like that. Yeah, which actually extends to this other one of uh, not running your main account as a root account or an admin account. Um, apparently, the vast majority of Windows malware when you install it, it immediately tries to do stuff as admin. And if you're not, then it can't really, it can be yeah. annoying maybe, but it can't like destroy your life. And um, this is, this is true on OS 10 as well, but just 
being Unix, it it has to ask for your password for everything. And so if as long as you're vigilant about that, you should be okay. But if you're worried about it, you can create an account that doesn't have admin powers for OS ten as well. Well, I think from, and I, I may be wrong, I haven't used Windows full-time in quite a while, but I think as recently as Windows 7, your default account is not an admin account, and you have to make it one, um, yeah. which is seems like the right behavior. Like, don't... You know, don't don't let me just walk around with a loaded gun pointed at my face <laughs> until I need that to be the is case. Is that what admins are? <laughs> just holding uh, guns to their heads. <laughs> if you're going to go out on the open internet, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then the, the last one, which kind of the fact that he recommended it shocked me a little bit because I was taking it so for granted. Um, you know, like put a password on your computer and on your phone. <laughs> And yeah. don't uh, don't just walk around with those things unlocked. And and I I think about this with the the phone certainly um, less in the last couple of years. Now that we're moving toward like a a touch ID, fingerprint ID, Nexus imprint, whatever it's called. Like now that we're moving in that direction, I think mobile devices will become more secure. Uh, I know people that don't use patterns or pins or whatever on their phone and i always strongly encourage them to stop being insane carrying around yeah. everything about themselves in this little easily losable package but uh, do people still like not lock their computer like if i sit down at a random person's computer am i not gonna find a password i think it it definitely depends on when like more re like the software has gotten more aggressive about like dude put a password on this like i know the os 10 like onboarding thing is like you have to say no to a password like four times before it's like fine <laughs> um but i definitely like you know you've got those relatives that are you know they have like a 2010 macbook and they might not have put a password on it and you lift the lid and there's the desktop and you're ready to go <laughs> And yeah, if you want to like install software, it's going to ask for the the password. But um, and certain other system features are still going to ask for the password. But nonetheless, I guess if you don't have a password set up, then maybe it just happens. I don't remember. Maybe it is that bad. Yeah, I mean, even if because I think when it comes to a system being compromised, a lot of people think of the the CSI kind of terrible tv trope of like you know oh my god they have root access they've got control of everything <laughs> it's like yeah that uh, a, a bad person doesn't need to be able to turn your lights and stove on and off from the other side of the world to screw your life up like they can if they can just get to your email like if, if they can open your computer or open your phone and get to your email they can make your life pretty horrible because now they can get into your bank and they can get into your insurance provider and they can get into all kinds of other things, you know, via the magic of password resets. So, yeah, s saying like, oh, they can't totally compromise my system. They don't have admin access. It's I like mean, that's absolutely true. But you really don't want them to get onto your computer regardless of the level of uh, yeah. access they would have to your physical machine. And then the malware piece is ju just makes it even more extreme. You don't want your account to be running as root so that malware can't get that root level access. And another version of that that's a little less bad but still pretty bad is if they know your phone number and have your phone, even if it's locked. <laughs> but like say you have SMS previews turned on where it'll actually show text messages you get on your lock screen. Yep. Um, that's a loophole you probably don't want. Um, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always encourage folks to use two-factor auth, but if you have SMS previews turned on on your lock screen, then two-factor auth is like one-and-a-half-factor auth. Yeah. Because they, they just have to have your phone. They don't have to actually have access to it. So it's, yeah. Um, this has I mean, been mitigated in my life because... <laughs> None of that happens on my phone. It only comes to my watch, which only shows that stuff if it's unlocked. So, right, it's 
I'm not too worried about it. But yeah, we're we're moving into a world where the defaults are more secure and they're more logical, and that's awesome. But as you say, there are still friends and relatives and coworkers that are like, oh, you know. Windows XP was good enough when I started this job and it'll be good enough when I finish it. It's like, no, no, asshole. No, it's, it's not. 40 rods to the hot tip. <laughs> and that's the way I like it. Okay. Well, and um, I had that recent... Sorry, I know we want to close this topic. But my no, most I just, recent... I just wanted to make sure I didn't get into a Simpsons quote off. <laughs> my most recent switch has been like to not think that my home computer is somehow not deserving of all the same security level. Like there was a time where I wouldn't bother with a strong password on my iMac or wouldn't turn on the file vault encryption. And I'm like, okay, no, this is everything I own is going to be this way. And I didn't have a good reason for not doing it before. It was just kind of like a switch that got flipped of like, duh, do this. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a good reason, but the reason is like, well, it's safe in my house. It never, <laughs> yeah. it never leaves my house. It's fine. And I mean, that's such an easy, th- this is why security is so hard is because you don't have to beat the math and the engineering and the technology. You have to beat the dumb, lazy people who are dumb yeah. and lazy. And I, so I do have another question about this and I really, I'm not interested in talking about the new MacBook Pros specifically, <laughs> but the touch bar ones do also include touch ID, like where the power button used to be, like way on the right side. Yeah. And I mean, that specific machine aside, like I really want to see computers go in this direction because laptops had, you know, like old Lenovo's and ThinkPads had like that little thumbprint scanner where you had to like awkwardly lift your elbow (laughs) way up so that you could press your thumbprint flat against it and like rake it across (laughs) And then later, the people were like, "Oh, I'll just use my index finger." <laughs> and then you know, so you would see people like put their hand down and then like slide it. And it's like an old credit card machine where you had to like do it multiple times. It's like, do I slide it faster? Do I slide it slower? Do I let it linger and and let it ask about the computer's day before I finish having it scan it? So I'm I'm very optimistic for a world where you know, like the there's a fingerprint reader in like a smart location. Like, Oh, it's, it's on, there's one on the back of the, the lid. So as I'm physically lifting the lid up, it's, it's unlocking. Cause it's like reading my index fingerprint or there's, you know, one right next to the trackpad or something like I, I know fingerprints aren't magical and perfect and secure, but they're secure enough. And they're, they're, they're a bump up e- what people will do by default otherwise. Right. They're easy enough to use and they're secure enough that I think it's still a, a step in the right direction. So I don't know. I mean, PCs have been doing this for a long time and then they kind of gave up on it. And now that Apple's maybe made it cool, like they'll start <laughs> doing it. So and made it reliable and work really well. And- yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic that they could get this, the hardware, because the hardware used to be very expensive, but I'm optimistic that they could get the hardware cheap enough that it would be able to go into a well, Chromebook. since they're because, shipping it on all their billions of phones, it's like, okay, right. repurpose it. Well, I feel like Chromebooks are kind of the, the banner carrier for, like, cheap machines, so if you can get, you know, it used to be like cheap Windows XP machines, but if you can get a fingerprint reader onto like a $250 Chromebook, then like no PC maker will have an excuse. Yeah. Would you, do you, do you think there's room for innovation there or do you just want it kind of like, I don't care where it is, just give me a button to push that reads my fingerprint? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, go to town, hardware designers. <laughs> Um, I don't, I mean, I feel like the range of improvement, like I'm not going to be like my world has changed because the fingerprint reader got like the, with the phone, I, it feels like it matters more. Like the, the Android trend of putting on the back is pretty neat. Um, and when, it, when I have my phone on a table, I really appreciate having that button on the front, but it's like, <laughs> that's where, that's a form factor where like the way it fits in your hand, like matters a lot. And I feel like laptops, it's like, whatever, just put your finger over here. You're already touching the keyboard anyway. You don't hold your laptop up in front of you in one hand? (laughs) Not usually. (laughs) I guess it depends on what you're doing. Um, Tell me about this Final Fantasy 15 Conan thing. Uh, So Conan has this Clueless Gamer thing, which is probably my favorite Conan thing in this modern TBS Conan era. (laughs) 
um, where he just, you know, he's a clueless gamer and he just kind of yells and complains about games. No matter, it's sort of the shtick, even if it's a good game, he's just going to like rant about it. And uh, he's joined by uh, Elijah Wood and they're playing an advanced copy of Final Fantasy XV. And he <laughs> has no idea what the hell is happening in this game, which, I mean, the game even if you're familiar with JRPGs, is kind of like, wow, this is what's, we're pushing a car. So <laughs> we've talked <laughs> that, about that, this game. That's not satire. That is actually what he has to do at one point. Uh, so the game is a weird mix of like normal real world technology and fantasy elements, which they've done, you know, pretty much since eight or seven, I guess. Seven, um, yeah. Well, six. But yeah, it was pixel six art, had, so you barely... Yeah, uh, I had, like... <laughs> it, it was technology powered by magic. It was still pretty steampunky at that point, but... Yeah. Uh, but 7 and 8 really kick-started the, like, hey, there's, like, crazy, you know, behemoth beasts, but also we drive cars and have trains. And <laughs> 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 um, but this one is, like, very much, like, teenage kids on a road trip... Slash sudden fantasy out of nowhere, and um, he he's just he just makes fun of it. And it's a really entertaining video. Um, he calls it Middle Earth Entourage because they all have like really slick leather outfits and hairdos, and um, they're strutting around a city. But they're, um, I mean the the thing that I found way too uh, identifiable is I get JRPGs like I I understand what they are and how they work and I generally enjoy them and I've been enjoying them for a long time so I have my modern enjoyment as well as nostalgia but when I saw the pre like the early previews of Final Fantasy 15 and then I started to learn more and more and more about it like my interest in playing it just completely went in the toilet like <laughs> I I haven't pre-ordered this. I don't have a plan to buy it next year when it's twenty dollars off. I don't. I may if this is the direction Final Fantasy is going. Like I may just be done. Like I don't. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not interested in this even a little. And half of what Conan yells through this clip is just like, "What is happening? I have no idea what's going on." <laughs> Did James Joyce write this? <laughs> um. It's just. It looks like a freaking mess. Yeah. Well, I mean. Like I mentioned, there's a point where you are just pushing a car down a road for a long time. Um, some other things, like there's a boss fight. It looks like some kind of like giant turtle creature rock thing. And uh, the the his little buddy guy that like explains games to him so he can complain more effectively. Yeah, I can't um, remember that guy's name. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Um, he describes how this boss fight, you have to... It takes literally 72 real-world hours, like whatever like put the poison in this river and it'll flow downhill and eventually kill it or i don't know what the game mechanic is but for some reason they designed a boss where you have to take three days to kill it and i i doubt it's going to be like a cool kojima like metal gear like put it (laughs) put the controller in the second port like it just seems like oh so you just needlessly made this tedious and that's what concerns me i know my brother justin already he, you know there was an amazon prime sale so he's he picked it up for 48 bucks so he'll let us know if we should you know get past the hate and try it out but i'm i'm really not day one buying this well I mean, so i never played 14 because 14 was an mmo and that's just i don't ain't nobody got time for that but <laughs> but like with 13 like i i finished all of 13 and I, I think wow. I've mentioned it before. Like it, so I, I played, and then I gave up, and then I played it all the way through, and then my PlayStation yellow lighted, so <laughs> I was like moments from the final boss, and then my saves got lost. <laughs> so I actually stole a save file off the internet that's right before the final boss, just so I could say like, okay, there I beat it. Um, which thinking back, I probably should have just watched like a YouTube video of the ending, but whatever. I actually beat that game. <laughs> Uh, even though there's a bunch of asterisks on it. But then uh, 13.2, I got, I don't know, like five. <laughs> Never to even f- touched that game. Five to 15 hours into, like some some significant amount of time. And then I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I just, I couldn't, like, I wasn't enjoying it. The story didn't make any sense. It wasn't 
causing me to be reflective. It was like I was getting nothing out of it. So I just abandoned that so hard. And then when Lightning's Revenge, the relightning or whatever, the third one came out, I was like, oh, man, these graphics look great. Maybe I'll just watch YouTube videos of it and never actually play it. And then I never even bothered to watch YouTube videos of it because I just, oh, my God, the story is just not compelling. Nothing about it seems interesting. And Final Fantasy fifteen watching it and now watching this this clueless gamer video of it really seems like they took all of the things i found the most repugnant about 13 and they're like what if that's all there was (laughs) (laughs) well and like you get some of the the traditional jrpg paper cuts like there's a point where they they're like we don't know who to talk to and they're like running into some like quickie mart (laughs) on the side of the road and that's when he like makes the crack about like we're in some I forget which writer, some American writer he mentions that, you know, wrote these plays where like nothing happens and you're trapped inside and you're just waiting for something <laughs> that's never coming. And it was some like clever literary point by Conan to describe we're just running around and nothing is happening. Uh, but, you know, later they're like, let's go see that dress we read about in the paper that they overhear some NPC talking about. <sighs> and it was just like, no one likes that feeling in a JRPG where you're like, who do I have to punch in the face to kick off the next set of dominoes of story? Like, I mean, you enjoy the open city when you're like, hey, let's go upgrade my stuff. Let's go see, find some potions. Let's, you know, get all the little, you know, secrets. But when it's like, okay, I'm ready for the next thing, don't make that a complete guess who game where I have to go click on everyone. Yeah, this seems like such a lazy, and maybe they're not doing it on purpose, but it it seems like a really lazy way to uh, force people to interact with the world. And it's like, what if you had no idea who to talk to and no idea where to go and what to do? And as as a you know, from like a philosophical standpoint, you're like, oh wow, I'd I'd feel I'd have to pay attention to every detail because I I wouldn't just have the story handed to me. <laughs> but from a gamer standpoint, you're like, yeah, that that sounds really boring. Well, it didn't, I don't I don't really want to do that. It just doesn't scale well. Like I, I fired up Crystalis the other day, an old eight bit NES game. Oh, and the, there's the like, one where you're like the pink hair and yeah, and you have yeah. all the sword power up charge things, but. uh there's like maybe four people in town and they're all like, I wonder what's happening in the cave North. And like, it's just immediate. And you're just like, okay, like I can run around a town and talk to four people and figure out, okay, I need to save the child. So I get the antidote so I can heal this guy so that he'll give me like, it's not hard to unravel it because there's not 500 people in 600 rooms separated by loading screens. And like, I'm just not going to do that in a modern game. Yeah, it's I mean it's a problem to make the world feel expansive but also make it feel like it exists solely it's for a you to solved have a good problem. time. In. No, it is totally a solved problem. Play any of Bethesda's games, play <laughs> uh Deus Ex games like waypoints, missions, journals and logs, uh, a map that says go over here like yeah, the person that wants to be immersed can turn off the compass and just explore and talk to everyone. And even if you play that way in Deus Ex, you're rewarded because lots of the NPCs have things to say, either missions or, or things to get, or even they just have funny dialogue and you kind of want to experience it. Well, and I'm a I'm a fan of, at the beginning of an RPG, having some kind of... Uh, not not a difficulty slider in the terms of like enemies are harder to kill, but a difficulty slider that's like, how much do you want us to spoon feed you? <laughs> like, and I know that people are like, oh, I don't want to be spoon fed, like but Wally like, future or <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm willing to admit, like you know, hello, my name is David Lyons, and sometimes I just want to enjoy the game. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't need to have every I play puzzle. Batman on easy because I just yeah, want to feel like a god. <laughs> Well, and even like uh, in in like a, a an Uncharted or a Tomb Raider kind of game where you're solving like parkour puzzles, like I'm okay if the game says like, "Hey, maybe jump up that ledge." <laughs> like that's yeah, this you know, gold like if, painted ledge. It's everywhere. Yeah. If, if Nathan Drake goes, 
huh, maybe I should climb up that ledge. Like, that's fine. That does not take me out of the experience. <laughs> in fact, in some ways, you could even argue that that's more immersive because Nathan Drake would know that. <laughs> I, I don't know that. If you're trying to make me feel like I am Nathan Drake, then I need access to all of Nathan Drake's knowledge. So... Like I don't, I don't feel like those kinds of things are universe breaking. Now, if it's every three seconds, like if I'm trying to wander around and just you know do the Batman thing, I don't need Batman constantly going like rah 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 press, press square yeah. and then press square again. Yeah, that you know there there are limits. <laughs> then you've just think, designed your game bad if it needs that much hand holding. <laughs> right, but I, I think there's a lot of of immersive hand holding you can do that does not take someone out of the experience, whereas. It seems like modern JRPGs, especially anyone who's trying to emulate the Square Enix success of the late 90s, they're like, what if we just made everything brooding and confusing and pointless? It's like, oh. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're different development teams because the modern Square Enix made the new Tomb Raiders, made the new Deus Ex. Like, they're making great modern Western-style RPGs, and it's just like, it's just Final Fantasy that's kind of mired in this. And I mean, maybe maybe we're wrong, and we're just getting the wrong impression from cinematic sequences that are different. Like everyone remembers, like the Metal Gear Solid Three part where you're like you fall down a ravine, and like you literally have to wait until your eyes adjust to the darkness before you can see. <laughs> and it's like if that was all you knew about the game, you'd be like, "What the hell is this game?" Where you're like you have to wait <laughs> to play. And it's like, no, that was an immersive moment, a single sequence that was interesting. <laughs> it, it wasn't like repeated in every chapter of the story. And, you know, maybe they're just doing things like that that'll be memorable, or maybe the whole game is Maybe terrible. the whole game is looking at wedding dresses <laughs> in store windows. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're we're lucky that we have access to all of the internet, and it's not just like your friends at school. Like we, <laughs> there's there's no reason to go into this game not knowing if there's a a, a higher likelihood you'll enjoy it or a higher likelihood you'll hate it. Yeah. So I'm if I ever play this game and then it turns out I hate it, I'm gonna feel cheated. Like no, yeah. I was directed by reliable sources. What happened here? And I, my last final parting shot is a. Uh, most of my favorite Final Fantasy games, I that they make it to the top of the list because the gameplay has lasting satisfaction to me. It's True. tactics. And, I mean, I think many of the games have stories that I still like, but they're not the reason I go back anymore. It's for the gameplay. And that's what's most absent-looking from all the Final Fantasy XV stuff. So maybe they're just marketing it badly or they're just picking, the, like I said, the cinematic moments but like what i can't tell is is there a, a satisfying upgrade mechanic for your character for his weapons for you know the, the traditional you know advancement mechanics that you look for in rpgs um are those great are they satisfying because that's what i care about if i'm going to play an rpg yeah agreed it's if you're going to just give me a movie that i have to press x to continue the movie then please just make a movie like if you don't want to make video games anymore you just want to tell these complicated stories like that's fine but will you please just make a movie coming next year the spirits within two that's right i like spirits within that's fine if if, if final fantasy is just like a, a series of movies now and it's not video games anymore i would actually Given the trend the games have been on, I would be happier about that. <laughs> uh, well, we have another gaming topic we should get into, and that's... Oh, man, this next <laughs> one hurts. <laughs> so they're, I didn't even know they were re doing this, but apparently they are re-releasing Assassin's Creed 2 uh, all, all shiny and updated. And by all <laughs> shiny and updated, I mean Assassin's Creed is known for... Uh, having lots of horrible bugs, and that's the thing they decided to make more of in this game. <laughs> and, oh man, so we have a YouTube video in our show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash flipping tables slash 146, um, comparing the original PC release or the original Xbox 360 release to the new Xbone. And I found another one that was the PS4 versus the PC, but the, the main thing you need to know is that it looks almost exactly the same it doesn't look like character <laughs> models were updated at all except for certain hilarious ones we'll get to uh, <laughs> the the graphics look like basically like they turned a knob on saturation and then got rid of fog and i can't really tell 
any difference beyond that. And getting rid of the fog, like the draw distance is already amazing in the game. It wasn't like Turok for N64 where you like <laughs> five feet in front of you is fog. Um, it was almost like less atmospheric in the new one from the little clips I saw. I was like, oh, you just kind of, it's like you turned off part of the game engine and now we're getting the wireframe view. And now um, I can just see for an unlimited distance, even though that makes no yeah. sense. But this is like enough of a disturbing trend that whenever any company announces a remaster, you now have to go, wait, are they just... <laughs> Did they actually do anything valuable, or is this just a money grab? And this looks like a money grab, because they barely changed anything. Well, so throughout the game, because you're watching the two things side by side, and the graphics are... I'm going to just say different. I'm not even prepared to say better. Like No, the gra- they're not The graphics better. are, yeah, they're different. Maybe the textures are a little bit smoother, but I mean, they just, honestly, they just look different. They don't look better. Um and and then you're watching the actual gameplay, so it's like, uh, you know, Ezio runs up to a building and starts climbing it, and then on, like, the left, it's, you know, the, the PC one, and on the right, it's the remake, and in the PC one, he, like, you know, he jumps on, and he kind of, like, does his little climby thing up the side of a tower, and then on the right one, he floats up in this freaky, <laughs> like, horror movie impossible smoothness, like, no one could climb that fast. There's no sense of like gravity or resistance or struggle. <laughs> he just magically floats up the side like you're playing that freaking elevator game from Atari. Like, it's just, it looks so janky and messed up, which says to me that they actually made changes to the underlying engine and only made it worse. Yeah. I don't think anyone was complaining about Assassin's Creed 2's gameplay. Other no. than, I mean, no, like fans of that game, which I think it's one of the best ones they ever made, um, already like the game the way it works. Um, and in fact, they could have just upgraded the graphics. And instead, they introduced bugs into the gameplay. <laughs> and then the graphics, as we are saying, look different. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Assassin's Creed always had the, the joke of like you're trying to climb and you accidentally jump. So you yeah. your your character does what you unintentionally told them to do which is plant their feet hard against the wall and (laughs) jump directly away from the wall (laughs) suicide (laughs) time but you can see like in the 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 comparison video it's like for every one time you would do that in the original he does it like four or five times in the remake (laughs) which is like hey, we made it look worse, the engine is worse, and the controls are worse. It's like, I don't think you understand what a cash grab is. You're supposed to incentivize me to rebuy this thing I already bought, yeah. not terrify me away from it. Well, and I mean, this just had, like, Bioshock trilogy um, got remastered, and by all accounts, the first game got a nice facelift, and the other ones are pretty much identical, like... If you own the PC version, you already have. And actually, Good Guy Steam just gave everyone who bought the PC version the remastered version. There's no, you don't have to buy something separate. Nice. Um, which is super cool. Um, but, you know, the most recent one, uh, Bioshock Infinite, which is, you know, several years old by now, um, it already looked great if you had a strong PC. Like it, like the remastered for PS4 level basically said well we brought it up to date with the pc version because the ps3 version was you know less than 720p upscaled and had all these like frame rate tricks to you know sneak by with a playable game on you know eight-year-old hardware and so it's it sort of feels like oh this thing that we released on these systems that couldn't handle it anymore we've now remastered by releasing on a machine that can handle it and yeah, see, now that, that sounds like the correct way to do a cash grab. <laughs> yeah, and at least no one, like, you're not as mad because you're like, all right, yeah, I was a PS3 gamer, and now I can get a version that's, like, everything they wanted the original to be. Um, but even there, I could still be a little like, come on, like, wait five more years when the hardware advances and then really do a facelift. Um, another one that just came out was the Batman Arkham games got remastered. And those ones are a little, they're, they're kind of splitting the difference for me. It's like, oh, you know, the textures did get upgraded a little bit, and there's more reflective surfaces. 
and it's true 1080p, but other than that, it's exactly the same. Yeah, I, I mean, not knowing enough about game design, but I, I have mixed feelings about here's the same game with better textures because my understanding is they design, at least in, in modern game design, they design very, very high-res textures and everything is as slick as they want to make it. But then when it goes to a console, they have to kind of like down down yeah. res and down sample everything because they have to go to whatever that console specific hardware is so you know pc master race has already been able to like run everything at the maximum settings and then in a lot of games yeah. they now apply their own textures and their own skins so i kind of pc gamers are just laughing at all this like what a waste of money well so my my thinking on this and i'm i'm i feel like i'm being very generous but my thinking is if i'm a game developer and I made something for the PS3, like the Batman games, for example. I made the Batman games for the PS3, and they look pretty great. But now the PS4 is out, so I can literally re-release the same game, but with the textures like on full blast, because now they're going to go on to more powerful hardware. Like I, I wish there was a, like a market-friendly way to do that, because as a gamer, I feel a little bad, like crapping on the developer for just re-releasing the same game. But at the same time, the actual like making changes to the engine and redoing all the graphics and redoing audio, like that's incredibly difficult and time consuming and expensive. You're basically making a new game. But if you have someone who's like, yeah, I never played this on the PS3, so I'm going to buy the PS4 version because the PS4 version just looks better. Like there needs to be a clear marketing way to tell people like, hey, listen, if you already paid for this, probably don't. <laughs> pay for it again but if you haven't played it yet this is the one to buy like this is kind of how i felt about the last of us like everyone like i i got a ps4 and i hadn't yet played the last of us and people were like oh you should play the last of us and then i you know there were the two versions and it's like well obviously i'm going to play the remastered one but if i yeah. had already played the one on ps3 i don't think i would have bothered to get the one on ps4 even though it noticeably looked better and it was smoother and all that it's like <laughs> it's not it's not worth rebuying the same game Oh, I totally did, though. <laughs> well, I mean, them in particular. That's a bad example because they deserve all the money. Yeah, Naughty Dog has reached... They're, they're in that state where uh, like, I will buy any of their games until proven otherwise. Like, until I'm bitten by it, it's pretty much guaranteed. Take my money. Yeah, I still need to finish Uncharted 4. And by finish, I mean, like, get out of the prologue. Oh, man, it's so good. I know. Dude, I haven't done any serious gaming in too long. It's it's super sad. Maybe this is what I'm going to do with my winter holidays, I hope. <laughs> so what's this click, click, click thing that I've still got open in a tab? Yeah, yeah I still have it running, too, and it keeps talking to me. I had to mute it. What, what's your achievement percentage? And then explain what the hell this is to our audience. <laughs> I'm up to 18%, sir. 22. Oh, man, you're killing me in this thing we don't totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, there's this website, click, 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 dot, click, and you go there and it's uh, a text starts scrolling on the screen and a voice starts talking to you. And in the middle of the screen, there's a giant green button with white text that says button. And there's a, a guy with, or at least I have a guy with a, a thick accent. Is that what you have? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there, there's a voice and it's, I don't know what you would call this. It's like a, a game. It's a, oh, my achievements are up to 22% because I was scrolling while I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like a game. It's a website. It's kind of like a, a philosophy experiment from, you know, like a college undergraduate course. But it's, there's just like text scrolling on the screen describing what you're doing and your browser and like if you don't move for a while, it says like subject has not moved for 10 seconds. And then if you move, it's like, you know, subject finally moved after 30 seconds. And then like the 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 title and the taskbar keeps getting like filled with random emoji that are probably like clues as to other achievements you can unlock. And <laughs> like if you click away, the, the guy who's the, I guess the, the scientist is like, oh no, don't go, come back. And and like if you hover over other tabs, it's like subject, you know, considered leaving the tab. And it's it's very weird art house website. Um, but I, I find things like these kind of unnerving because it's really e – and I assume this is the, the intention, but it, it's very easy to be like, what other secrets are there? What if – 
what if I have Skype open while I'm I'm in there? What if I <laughs> what if I close Skype while I'm in there? Like it just said subject has moved in a curved line. So like now <laughs> now I want to like move my mouse all kinds of crazy ways and see like this see this is as bad as any like Reddit or YouTube like click hole where you just <laughs> you keep trying to unlock nonsense and then an hour later you're like have I been essentially playing cow clicker for this whole time? Yeah. Subject has moved nonstop for 10 seconds. <laughs> This is, I mean, it's basically attaching a whole bunch of achievements to what JavaScript can track about what you're doing in an app and on a page. Um, and so maybe it's also just a lesson in, like, what's possible for web design. Like, if you're building some kind of web app, what are the kinds of things you can measure and look at? Um, and, I, I mean, I'm not actually creeped out by any of the stuff it's found. It's like, it's just browser data, like, hey you have a screen that's the that are these dimensions and you've clicked you've moved it to this area blah 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 um but it's not like your system password is blah 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 like <laughs> no, that's that, all pro- that's all properly yeah. sandboxed like of course <laughs> it can't find that um so i find this more interesting than creepy yeah i i say creepy in in very much like a uh I don't I don't know how you would describe it in like literary terms like it's it, it, this is like a psychologically heavy thing to me and yeah. it's because I know like I know explicitly what the browser actually has access to and what they can see and what they can't no matter you know how cleverly the dialogue is written and how good the voice acting is and I mean I I know what they're trying to do but it's still something about these kinds of things I just are like very enthralling like I, I i find myself easily sucked into these kinds of um little fake you know like oh what if we could see into your house right now like uh, uh what, what was the game that pokemon go was basically based on oh i forget it was by niantic oh uh, the the what was it called it was all <laughs> like black and like neon colored like yeah it was like Aliens from another dimension were invading. God, it's on the tip you, of my tongue. You had to join the resistance or join the enlightened, and yeah, so that that kind of like when you play a game like that. I mean, this is part of what makes Metal Gear Solid games so great is all the fourth wall breaking. But whenever you play a game where they're constantly like, "What if this wasn't a game?" You're just like, <laughs> "Oh my god, what if it's not a game?" Like it, I I find those kinds of stupid fantasies really addictive and really easy to fall into and. I mean, somebody probably coded this website in like an afternoon. Like, this is not this is not high art, but I'm still like, oh man, I'm up to 29 percent achievements. What are the other 71 <laughs> percent? I'm live googling Ingress. Ingress, thank you. And Field Trip, they did that app too. Yeah, Field Trip, the one that was genuinely useful that no one cared about. Ingress, the <laughs> one that was totally stupid that everyone cared about. <laughs> I only used field trip once. I found a mural along the the bike trail river in Denver, and that was it. Yeah, they uh, they're like seriously a one note band, huh? Or one <laughs> one one hit wonder rather, because it's like Ingress, Field Trip, and Pokemon Go it's are all GPS. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, did you know your phone has GPS on it? And also, we can attach that to Wikipedia. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's not like they're circling that same drain trying to to get that that hole in one <laughs> wow <laughs> <They're> <laughs> taking that horse to the drain hole in one make it drink. yeah that that <laughs> metaphor is kind of all over the place but what before we stop talking about this most importantly what are your achievements up to uh 34% oh man you're killing me there's a lot of them where you just do more multiples of something you've already done, like click a lot of times, move for a long time without nonstop, etc. Yeah, I just got up to 36% by beating the crap out of the button for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, I will, I was going to say I'd love to see a screenshot if anybody listening gets up to 100%, but this is like the most fakeable screenshot in all of fake screenshots. <laughs> Hopefully it's like a... Windows progress bars where like <laughs> it never quite lets you finish. Uh, oh god, that would be even more tragic. <laughs> uh, speaking of tragic things, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> you get to introduce this. All one. right, 
Um, Apple is son, 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 they son, they son fit. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just go with it. They son fit to create a design book, uh, that sells for two or $300. It's some, you know, something that's like eye poppingly expensive, even though this kind of coffee table book actually can cost that much and does. So, you know, if, if something can cost a lot, Apple will charge that much for it. Um, (laughs) This isn't some souvenir for 20 bucks. This is a designed in designed by Apple in California book. Um basically it's a book full of their products. It's got, you know, I mean, it's made by Apple, so it looks really nice if you care about having a giant dead tree full of Apple products. Um you know, very very tasteful pictures of everything they've ever made and I don't really get other than you know, like a masturbatorial <laughs> celebration of yourself. <laughs> why, why did they make this? Like, uh, and I, I know like you, you mentioned this in our chat this week, like the dreaded, like Steve jobs would never have allowed this to happen, but I really don't think he would have done this. Um, and well, yes, and I, yes. I want to, I want to throw in just on that comment. Like, I, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and of course a lot of them are tech focused and a lot of them talk about Apple, even if they're not Apple focused. And a lot of people who I highly respect, who are not the kind to just throw around the Steve jobs never would have done this or, you know, Steve jobs, blank, blank, blank trope. Like pretty much all of them were like, I really hate to say this, but I cannot imagine Steve. <laughs> J- like, like all of us, the entire tech community is just like. There's nothing else to say about this in its relationship to Apple, other than I cannot imagine Steve Jobs doing this. Um, this is the man who threw away the Apple archive when he went back to Apple. So true to Apple's form, they're selling it in two sizes. It's, it comes in white. Um, the small size, the 10 by 13-ish, is $199. Or there's a 13 by 16-ish uh, for $299. And to the point about Steve Jobs would never have done this, he has a, a quote that's pretty directly... And this is different <laughs> than like, no one wants video on their iPod. Secretly, we're creating video iPod. Um, right. He. This is a quote more about like the philosophy of product design and like almost like your career and what you should focus on. And he, here's the quote: "I think if you do something and it turns out pretty good, then you should go do something else wonderful, not dwell on it for too long. Just figure out what's next." And I think that's sort of. It's not that like this book itself is like some harbinger of doom for Apple. It's more like one more piece of. Uh, uh, either a symptom or um, just a sign of like, is Apple care about figuring out the next thing? Like, yeah, they made a watch, but eh, like, what what are they doing? Why are you spending any time on a book? Like, and it's not that they don't have R and D going, and they're not like. There's been rumors flying on their car stuff, and like, they're obviously trying to work on new stuff, but it's kind of like you guys can't just sit and celebrate your past success. Like you will be swamped with competition and you will eventually be irrelevant. We watched Blackberry disappear in a matter of like five years. Like it's so fast how quickly you can get (laughs) swept away when you miss the next thing. And I mean, or maybe a more generous example is Microsoft who completely missed mobile and now is doing some awesome stuff, but it's been a long time to claw their way back. And the only reason they can is because they had such a strong foothold in other parts of the computer industry. And if they didn't have that stuff, it would just been like, wow, goodbye, Microsoft. Yeah. The, the struggle is real for maintaining relevance. People are brand loyal, but they're not so brand loyal that it can't screw up your business permanently. I mean, right. how many people were like, I could never type on glass. I need a physical keyboard on my phone. And then they used an iPhone or an Android phone or maybe even like a Windows phone for the, the first time. And they were like, oh, yeah, Blackberry's dead to me. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're a business guy and you just don't want to learn anything new. Um, well, but there weren't enough of them to sustain a business. That's right. the thing. Is I mean, Apple has some fierce loyalty loyalists who I'm sure will follow them to the bitter end, but... 
is it enough for them to maintain their their inexorable lead? No, yeah. right? Uh, enough. Once you get up to that scale, most of the people who are your followers are not loyal followers. They're just followers, and they yeah. they will turn their back on you if you cross them. <laughs> um, I do want to say yes. The iPod socks are in this book. Yes. So. <laughs> well, I assume you bought one. No, <laughs> um, I do want to, I'm also throwing in the show notes, uh, back when we both lurked, worked at the university of Colorado, uh, we made some fake Ted talk spoof videos. And one of them was about paper books that it just feels relevant to the ridiculousness of this book. <laughs> so I'm throwing that in there where I, I describe a revolution, like eBooks changed the world. And now we're doing paper books. There's no software to upgrade. They never need yeah. to be charged, et cetera. But <laughs> Um, Sweet Jesus, was, you were you were basically pitching this exact product. <laughs> um, which what was I going to say? Um, oh, that's a genre of comedy I'll probably not be tired of for a while. Is take the old technology and pretend it's an innovation. <laughs> yeah, the, those when delivered well, those are usually pretty delightful. So I'm looking at the 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 you know the the designed by Apple the page for this and. You know, it's like, oh, here's the original iPod. And what I didn't realize that I hadn't heard anyone talk about, but you can see right in these <clears throat> right in these product screenshots is uh, there's like tooling. Like they show, it's not just like here's the finished product because that would be kind of weird and probably not take up <laughs> 600 pages or whatever. But there's also like here's the inside of this product. Here's what this product looked like as we were making it. And that's, yeah. I think that's kind of cool. But that being said... Uh, one of these is the tooling shown to like uh, carve out the inside of the Mac Mini, and it's yeah. like it's because the this is unfinished and unpolished. It looks very different from the other Mac Minis, and part of me is just like, oh yeah, you guys used to make a Mac Mini. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Apple used to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is this kind of book. I think would. Definitely interest if some if you are a product designer or you design hardware, I think this would be a very nice Christmas gift from someone who loves you if you like Apple's design. But it's clearly like I don't think the regular I bought an iPhone once person is <laughs> gonna be interested in this. And I don't think it's being really marketed to them, but again, it's just that broader story of like, okay, Apple, don't just sit and throw yourself little confetti parties for your past like you you need to stay future focused so the book is white the only human being shown on this page is johnny ive who is known for the white room <laughs> do, do you think like is he maybe dying or <laughs> or quitting and this is like his swan song he's just like you know what i just i just want one one big collection of everything I've done that I can, you know, like this is m essentially my memoir. Like here's everything yeah. I ever made and now I'm done. You know, I don't think this book necessarily is evidence of that, but uh, you, you got to wonder if he's like ready for something new or is just kind of like I've made my mark on history and my favorite, you know, best friend collaborator died five years ago and, you know, now that I've pushed the, sh you know, the boat out a little bit into the future after that horrible event, um, you know, who knows what he's thinking. But I, I you know, as as the resident, you know, fake fanboy of Apple for this podcast, <laughs> part of me is like, man, give some like there's got to be dozens of amazing designers at Apple that obviously are part of the collaborative process, but it's like, man, it'd be interesting to see what a new generation would do. And as, as you know, tight and sleek as everything he makes looks, and obviously I think design is more than what things look like, but um, you kind of wonder, like, what would Apple do in a, a new design era? When, if you're Johnny Ive, like, you've achieved this level of success, it's, in in the back of your mind, you've always got to be thinking, like, is this it? Is this the peak moment when I'm supposed to retire so that I can say I went out on top? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I've designed another product. Is this it? Is this the peak moment where I'm supposed to retire so I can well, say I went out I on mean, top? Miyazaki's coming out of retirement to make another film, which is just like, yes. Yeah, everybody's pretty genuinely excited about that. I think. <laughs> it's like, you're not allowed to die yet, old man. Give us more, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> more movies. <laughs> 
I mean, like, the, if if you're a band or you're a designer, or you're a CEO or you're whatever, like, if you are at the absolute top of your game, I think your main fear is, you know, like, what if I, you know, I've hit a hundred home runs in a row. What if my next at bat I strike out? And if you're Johnny Ive, like, with this much success, and he's such a private person, like, the temptation to, you know, go out on top has got to be overwhelming for him like he yeah. doesn't want to be more in the public eye he's already had more successes than any one designer can you know reasonably be expected to have like <laughs> if if i was him i would be planning my exit like super hardcore but maybe there's some secret thing he's working on that he feels like he still has more to do like there's there's more work yeah. there's always more products there's new market spaces they're going to go into that the public doesn't know about but man it, knowing what we know as the public i'd be like yeah you guys i'm out <laughs> like yeah. I'm, i've done it here's my book if you want to remember some of the things i made they're in that book well and we've seen that he's gotten to play like maybe apple's just let him scratch other itches while they invent the future someday maybe um because he's like made weird vanity auction items with his like designer buddy mark newson they they've designed weird cars and um you know these other objects that aren't apple products and so maybe it's like hey you don't have to leave well you know this can be an open relationship johnny (laughs) (laughs) you want to make things that aren't just laptops and phones go to town like make weird other things maybe uh you know, we've been talking about the rumored Apple car for what seems like forever. Like maybe that's what's keeping him there is this idea <laughs> that one day, cause I know he's like big into cars. Like maybe one day he'll get to design a car and like make an, <laughs> an all white car. That's all white inside that <laughs> has no buttons and it's no controls. The, the end of 2001 everywhere you go. <laughs> yeah. We've designed an egg and we put you inside this egg and then Johnny Ive can just roll off in the egg into the sunset and be happy. <laughs> uh, so when does your Apple book show up? Oh, I assume this is what <laughs> Susan's getting me for Christmas. I, I wouldn't dare buy one for myself. <laughs> All right. The, wait, wait. I just Okay, so this, this has got to be the last thing that I point out because after this, there's just really nothing left to say. Uh, you, you go to apple.com slash designed dash by dash apple, and there's the picture of the book with the spine facing out. So you can see it says designed by Apple in California. It's all white. And then there's the larger one on the bottom so that you can see what the pages look like. They're also white. (laughs) (laughs) And then underneath that, there's a short description of the book. And then just like you were on any other Apple product page, (laughs) there's a quick link to go to where you actually buy it. And that link says, available in two sizes, only at Apple. (laughs) And it, this is, I'm genuinely confused. Like, are they trying to give this totally niche ridiculous product the same reverence as like their actual computers and phones and like the things they actually sell or is this kind of like a tongue-in-cheek i can't tell you can't tell you cannot tell by looking at this how you are supposed to feel about this product let me read some of the highlights which read like specs 300 pages 450 full color photographs both sizes have hardback linen covers 280 line screen printing, specially milled German paper, gilded matte silver edges, low ghost inks. <laughs> low hyphen ghost inks. Now everyone's going to suddenly care about that. Um, they're going to go to Amazon reviews like, oh man, this is a high ghost ink. I can't read this book. Hey, you know, if I was Tim Cook and Johnny Ive, I would become friends with Elon Musk so I could get on the first ship to Mars. And then I think this is how I would end the company. (laughs) I think I would do something like this that is so borderline satirical, but the the crazy, like, frothing-at-the-mouth fans just can't see past their own nonsense. And then, like, right after Christmas, you know, it'd be like a limited run. We're only going to make a 1,000 of these. And then right after they sold out, I would just be like, 
and we're shutting down Apple. <laughs> like we're 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 giving you know we're 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 going to liquidate the company. We're going to divide the assets up equally among all the shareholders and peace out, and then just blast off to Mars, and then I'd be gone. <laughs> and that would be like the best way to close this this book forever. The main piece of advice I have is don't buy the first gen Apple book. You got to wait till the second revision. Uh, it, I wish we didn't have closing comments on the show because that would be where I would just cut the audio off. <laughs> so before I do the, the closing, what are your achievements up to? Oh, boy. I closed the tab. I'm sorry. Oh, what happens if you reopen it, though? Uh, let's see. Because uh, it, it could be doing some browser session magic. Oh, totally did. Oh, <laughs> see, you had no idea how deep this game was. Also, subject you, was away from site not longer or shorter than most other subjects. <laughs> if you click on achievements, it actually shows you all of the things you've unlocked replete with emoji. Yep. Yeah. Now this is this is way deeper than either of us imagined, Mike. This is I, I have to cancel all my appointments. Yeah, leaving today. and coming back was part of the achievements. Yep. This I'm at thirty nine percent. This is all I'm doing all day today. <laughs> so if you want to find links to this or the Conan video or, or if you're buying an Apple book, I guess. All that stuff is in the show notes at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 146. Mike and I love feedback. If you want to tell us about which, I don't know, size Apple book you're getting, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> or how many achievements you unlocked in click, 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 dot click, uh, you could find us most easily on the Twitters. I'm at Lines and Beta and Mike, you are at pseudo Michael. Oh, you're not going to spell it anymore? Nope. <laughs> uh, if you want to have a more extensive conversation, maybe about how click, 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 dot click made you feel and how it made you realize you do need an Apple book in your life, uh, you can go to our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables, where we post a new thread for every episode so we can have nice, dedicated, focused conversations about the discussion and the show notes. And sometimes they ramble off into other crazy, interesting things, which is always exciting, too. If you want to make sure you get new episodes hand-delivered to you every week by the man we employed to deliver podcast episodes every week, <laughs> you can press that subscribe button on the website or in iTunes or in your podcatcher of choice, and that makes sure that they always show up automatically every Tuesday morning. You don't have to do any extra work. And then if you want to support us a little bit more directly, we do have our Patreon, patreon.com slash sunriserobot. Depending on the level you support us at, you can get your name shouted out at the end of this show or every <laughs> show. On shout. Sh sh shout it out. With that, I'd like to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, Ezio Auditore Cunningham, which, ugh, well, that was painful. Sorry, anyone <laughs> who speaks Italian. Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ido Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much. We could not play click, 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 dot click all day without you. <laughs> we love you. See you next time. See you next week. 